Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Yoku of the uh, oh, almost said my old name of, of my old show, The House of Black, the podcast on everything from Donnie Black's per, perspective. Uh, your host, Donnie Black, of course, speaking. And something that I really should have made like nine days ago is a video I should have, uh, is a uh, episode I really should have made. But I decided to take my time to do so in the fashion of within those nine days. In Chicago, Illinois, uh, during Survivor Series, a moment happened that I wish could say uh, was an amazing moment. The matches were great. The matches were great. Um, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, so, so, you know, November 25th, 2023, Survivor Series had war games. And it seemed like the card was very, very great. Leading from the women's division, which I will not, I will not put that out of relevance. I will not. Um... And but of course the main real event was the fact of the, was the main event. Whereas for the members of the Judgment Day, Damian Priest, Finn Balor, J.B. McDonnell, and Dirty Dominic Mysterio went off against J, main event Jay Uso, former member of the Bloodline, former member of the tag team duo the Usos with Jimmy and Roman Reigns, who's now making a name for himself solo. Cody Rhodes, uh, who a man who is very relevant to the War Games match because his father, the great American Dream, Dusty Ro- Dustin Ro- Dusty Rhodes, is responsible for the creation of the War Games match, where two rings gated together are in uh, a solitude from all from a group of men. Four and four, five on five, eight on eight, doesn't matter. Um, so his involvement in the War Games match was highly necessary, which is why people forget that in that, that match event, War Games uh, was very, very important for Cody's uh, involvement in because it's the generation. And whether people want to say that Cody wants to distance himself from his father or not, there's no way that's going to happen. <laughs> Many of the things that have happened in the WWE have been responsible for his father. The training going through NXT's development is because of his father. War Games' existence is because of his father. So we can rule that out no matter what. Um, uh, Sami Zayn. And last but not least, the returning Viper legend killer Randy Orton. Now, Randy's return was appreciated more than anything. Randy's match was great. It was great that they didn't have him do a lot of the match uh, fighting in the sense of it because of, you know, he had came back from an injury. And like I had said it before, if you follow me on TikTok, I made this statement before. Let's also, let's appreciate this man coming back because he came back from an injury that could have been just as bad as Edge's, Daniel Bryan's, and pages, and I'm only using their WWE names because it's hard to try to remember their names in AEW. Brian Danielson, Soraya, Adam Copeland, but it's the same relevancy. All three of them were wrestlers 
who had to early retire in their career at one point during the WWE because of neck and spinal damages in their bodies. And the moment they surgery and rehabilitate themselves to training, they were able to come back. And Randy was about to be on the shelf, no different than them. But instead, he was able to rehabilitate himself. He was able to get the help and health he needs and was able to do a damn good job within that match. But one thing I had said in my own situation, I even stated this to myself, but I didn't post it on purpose. But I, I think the only time I stated it was in... Uh, was on Twitter or X. If a certain wrestler appeared in Chicago conveniently, a rest a town, a city that has relevancy to me, but also has a relevancy for him. If he did come back, if something happened that hell froze over, that pigs fly, and he returned by the end of Survivor Series, it was going to be a problem. But at the same time, there's going to be a lot of questions and things that I need to say off my chest. Well, right when Code Team Rhodes won the match, the static noise clinged to the screens. The colors of blue, black, red, and white appeared. Images of Mussolini and Stalin in black and white were on. And you can hear the guitar riff from in living from living colors cult of personality and sure enough coming out trying to channel his own version of brian danielson in a sense because when diane danielson first appeared on AEW, he wore nothing but a pair of jeans and a white t-shirt and he did the same thing in AE in wwe when he came out wearing bare jeans adidas and a white t-shirt grizzled small little grizzled beard gray hair but still tatted and still, still looking at least healthy in a sense. Philip Brooks, known as the best in the world, CM Punk, for the first time in a decade, returned in, not only returned since his firing in, WW, in AEW, but first time in 10 years returning in a WWE ring. So let's talk about it. And that's what this episode is going to. I'm going to let everything go on this. But I have to. But in order for me to express my thoughts about Punk's return to the WWE, I need to address the elephant in the room on this situation. Because while I was happy and not following and supporting Punk's tenure in AEW, I do not want to bring that relevancy yet into this play. So let's talk about it for me. In 2000, uh, 2004, 2005 was the first time I saw Punk, and that was during his tenure in Ring of Honor. AFI uh, was his music. He barely had a lot of tattoos. He was associated with the likes of Samoa Joe, Colt Cabana, uh, Daphne, rest in peace. That, uh, that got my attention from him. Um, there was a wrestling promotion he had once owned with another wrestling partner in Chicago that didn't go the way it was that ended up being defaulted. But slowly something in my head said, this guy who is a fan of bands like Rancid and uh, Poison Operation Ivy has my attention. 
Now, I remember one of the promos he had done at a Texas Rattle match where, you know, you're dog collared to another wrestler and you're bite beating the shit out of each other in a sense of it. Then there was one moment I remember when he had gone heel. He basically mentions the famous quote from the usual, she quotes the usual suspect, which a lot of people don't know. The devil quote is from the usual suspects. The greatest trick the devil ever proved the pulled is the re is the proof that to people he doesn't exist. That quote is from the from the infamous Usual Suspects by Brian Singer. And if you have never seen that movie, you would not understand where that quote came from. But when he said it, it got my attention. So fast forward to seeing him, I think around 2009, 2010, when he signed to WWE. Like his early rings in ECW, holding down the title, associating himself briefly, briefly with Paul Heyman. Saw the potential in him. His early matches with Jeff Hardy and his rivalry, uh, using his straight-edge philosophy that Punk in real life thrived on as a way to make himself relevant and better to other rest than other wrestlers. I'm straight-edge and I'm better than you. It was that moment that I didn't realize even at that, that moment. It was that little bit of a moment that that made me say, now, looking back at it now, I'm like, it makes sense why his rivalry with MJF was meaningful. Because I don't like MJF, but there's bits and pieces of MJF that I saw, little bits of punk that was in MJF that made complete sense. Um, At one point, you know, and, and and I'll sometime go over my situation with Punk and MJF sometime in the future. Then came the point when he, uh, I think it was afternoon, it, and I was watching like many other wrestlers and other wrestlers in a sense of it, but it led to 2011 after his new Nexus uh, membership with some of the members of NXT that got my attention with Punk. Especially the pipe bomb promo. The infamous pipe bomb promo he had done. His frustration with the fact that I that he stated that people like John Cena are ass kissers. And yet he deserves to be considered better than most of the others. And the fact that, you know, he's not even on something as simple as a cup or a t-shirt or a poster or given the opportunity to do other things in wrestling than most WWE superstars have. Despite being the work being a working horse in the company. And the fact that this company would have better relevancy if Vince McMahon was never never alive in that moment. And it made complete sense why he made these frustrations. And while he had said these partly in character, about 30% of it was in character, the remaining uh, the remaining percentage was more Phil Brooks, which led, of course, to all the way to the point where, you know, he was saying his stuff and then his mic got cut off. It made sense. And there are many other rest people in the wrestling community, fan community, who agrees with me on that. People like Zidia, people like Miss Kate Fabe from Fightful, many other rest many other wrestling fans who like me, who have been fans of his for a while, who saw that same thing. And I won't lie, I do. I see it, I saw it. But that was enough to grab my attention to say, this guy has it. And I studied him 
very, very carefully. Now, I won't lie. I'm not a straight edge. <laughs> I have enough toxins. In, I probably have enough toxins in my body from medicine, from the weed that I smoke, the, the alcohol I drank at one point that probably could kill somebody. I won't lie. And slowly, I will probably regret that when I turn around 60 and older. If I even live past 70. But the fact of what happened to me, my visual perspective of punk's philosophy of there was one line punk said in one of his in one of his promos when he says did i get your and i believe it's the did i get your attention now promo where he says i have he standing sits in the middle of the ring cross legs saying i have the balls to say what other wrestlers don't say and when punk says those words that spoke like a religion to me and I said to myself, that's what I want to be to everything else outside of professional wrestling. To things that I enjoy that people don't do. I use that philosophy today in my photography. I use that, philo I used that philosophy at one point in my music. To say what people are not able to say in my field of work. Because people are afraid. Because unlike people who are afraid, I have the balls to say what it's true. So I saw this man as a teacher. I do. He was my Ben Kenobi. He, <laughs> he was my Obi-Wan. He really was. I, I see Punk as my Obi-Wan. Because in every relevancy, this man was my hero to see that. But I slowly saw also, even with the high of success, there was the lowest of lows. And it came to a point where later in the years, 2015, 2014 sense of it, I saw it clearly his day. He was having injuries, concussion, the doctor situation with the medical who disappointed him to the point where he's in a match and defecates in the middle of a ring. The fact that uh, uh, his last week tonight with Jane Oliver had to mention it. Punk literally confirms it on Twitter saying, thank you for making that relevant because it's absolutely true. The fact that the man got his pink slip during his wedding with AJ Lee was the nail in the coffin for him to say, the fuck with this company. And then years later, you know, even now I think a year later, Chris Van Vliet, very talented man, very well public, very good, well journalist, who happens to be a wrestling fan and has the connections with many wrestling wrestlers. Sees Punk supportive at another event, and of course the infamous interview that happens in that event where Punk in a suit, clean shaved, hair slicked back, looks dead in the eye of the camera and says, "I am one hundred percent never ever coming back to the WWE." And we said to ourselves, you know what? To some point, it makes sense. There are many who are like, no, this can't be happening. This can't. It needs to happen. It needs to come back. And then there are many of us who saw the frustration from the ridiculous match points that were happening, the moments where many of the wrestlers were being put over, his injuries were getting worse and worse, his tire frustrations were getting worse and we all saw the reading between the lines, the ones who truly were loyal to him, saw the reading between the lines to the point where we were like, you know what? 
Let the man be. Enjoy his life. He's put his diligence. And I was content with that. I really was content with that. And then, in 2019, I believe, a shocking thing happened. After 2018, when the, the debut of All Elite Wrestling happened, and it happened in Chicago, there were worlds swirling around. Then Renee Paquette, a.k.a. Renee Young, does an interview with Punk about wrestling today and what would it take for him to come back if he ever did. And even before that, before AEW, when he did a stint with AE, with WWE and Fox in 2014-2015, WODE makes a secure distribution deal with Fox Sports to release programming and content from Fox to their network. One of those was a series called WWE Backstage where WWE stars got to be truly open and vulnerable about things in the wrestling world. More of an after show for WWE. No different than most sports analog after shows. Renee Young at the time was hosting it with Booker T involved as well. There was one night, Samoa Joe, Adam Cole, Booker T, Soraya, and Renee was there. And right when she was about to say goodbye, Colton that personality hits and Polk comes out and basically quotes line for line, I believe, what Roddy Piper wants. Either what Randy, Roger Man Randy Savage says or Pipe, Pipe, uh, Roddy Piper says. Just when you thought I was, uh, just when you think I couldn't do anything enough, I come out and change the culture. Now, Roddy has stated at times before real Ronda Rousey was up on his ass, Roddy has stated, I see a little bit of you in me, punk. I do. When there are moments that I'm frustrated and I want to say my words, I speak it out. And Punk, while he was still a heel to Roddy, against Roddy, Phil Brooks saw that as a compliment. Same way with Bret Hart, a man who Punk truly respects when he was in the wrestling world, and he came back to WWE when a lot of people didn't think he even would, said to himself, he said those things about Punk at some point of it, and while Punk was a heel against him, Punk wearing Bret Hart's own colors in his wrestling gear, still was in that ring. And Philip Brooks, but Philip Brooks was happy to hear that from Bret Hart. These people were heroes to Punk because Punk stated many times before he loves professional wrestling. But at one point when he left WWE, I felt his love of professional wrestling died with him. I truly did. And when backstage happened, it was like, maybe there's a sliver of hope. Now, that the next night after that, because they do the show weekly, there was an episode where Renee was talking to Punk about, you know, certain social media. The words are buzzing the moment it was announced he was coming to WWE, but he was coming with a contract specifically from Fox because while the WWE backstage show was a backstage show for WWE, it was a deal from Fox. Fox Sports personally hired Punk to come to work at backstage. And Punk made it very clear. He's like, I'm not working for WWE. I'm working for Fox Sports. However, it is for a WWE show. So Punk got to speak his mind without being the wrestling personality. 
to say what he wanted to say about wrestlers in the company that he no longer worked for. However, out of everybody in that group who was there, the only two rest people in wrestling and WWE who he still had respect for was Soraya and Renee Young. And at one point, they decided, before they would talk to Punk, to put together a vignette of the big moment of everyone seeing that. It was an event at WWE in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia. And there were several people on camera saying, you know, Punk is back. Punk is back even associated with WWE. Even though, you can tell the way they edited, they didn't know that they were he was not working for WWE. He was working for Fox, for WWE. But everyone knowing that Punk and WWE together in some capacity and sense of it made, was awesome. Some people said they cried. Some people said they were there to support their husbands, which was a stupid thing to say. I get it. You're not a wrestling fan, but that was unrelevant for you to say, sweetheart. There were some people who were like, you know, this was the greatest moment in six years to happen. At the same time, showing many memorable moments in WWE of Punk's career. And then there were some people, like clearly the guy who I stated before, who said, whose wife said, I'm only here to support my husband, wearing a John Cena t-shirt. He looks great at the camera and says, wrestling doesn't need, doesn't, doesn't just want you. It needs you, punk. There's another guy outside during the ticket booth on his knees, please begging punk to come back. And it ends with a swarm of tweets from people in WWE who are saying, fight me, punk, or I got next. I didn't think you'd come back. And then there are a floor of sweets. And then in the background, you hear the punk chats. And you see punk grabbing his chest like, oh, I miss you guys. Before, it will go to a point where Renee talks about Seth Rollins' ridiculous tweets, in which punk would say, my advice to Seth Rollins is to stop tweeting. That was a moment that I knew it would come to a relevancy that Seth Rollins and punk's dislike of each other would grow to what it is now. But we won't get to that right yet. We'll get to that later. But put a footnote on that for you listeners out there. Fast forward to 2018, 2019. AEW was created. Backstage has already been canceled after even a, barely a season. So Punk is back to doing smaller jobs, small film appearances, doing uh, small greed appearances, appearing at WrestleCast and WrestleCade, wrestling events for meet and greets for fans, talking with wrestling companies, uh, promotions like Gorilla Position and Behind the Ropes and, and WrestleTalk even. Ollie Davis on WrestleTalk, who's a big wrestling fan, a fan of Punk, saying CM Punk return confirmed becomes a meme. Many people saying, you know, like this reminds me of a Punk moment. Sean Ross of Fightful even making jokes about it, saying, putting up a poster every time he tweets something about Chicago or someone making a joke or a quote about punk, saying, is that a T.O. Punk reference? As a joke to troll people at one point. This is all happening after AEW. But let me go to where AEW, before AEW, when AEW was first founded. All in happens. Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega decide as a bet to Dave Pussy Moltzer that he could sell out a tick, an entire arena in Chicago within a 24 hours. Because Dave says, you can't do that. 
without a backing of a wrestling promotion? I bet you couldn't. Cody's like, want to take that bet? And sure enough, within 24 hours, ticket sales were gone. Some of the best people in that league of it. Realizing that with the help of that funding, things could go way it is, and using even that money from relevance of t-shirts from a small wrestling TV t-shirt company called ProWrestlingTees.com or OneHourTees.com, a small t-shirt manufacturing company in Chicago who would go on to become a multi-successful company themselves. Working with companies such as New Japan Pro Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, or TNA, and many indie wrestlers personally themselves. These, uh, these factors coming in. Chicago having a staple of what All In is. And then the meeting of Jacksonville Jaguars owner uh, son, Tony Khan. The foundation of that, which would be All Elite Wrestling. First night in Atlantic City, Vegas, Double or Nothing, which would become their WrestleMania. That moment happens, sells out, successful. Still needs work. Then events other happening. Fight for the Fallen, Fighter Fest. All uh, full gear, revolution. Battle of the Belts. At one point, Bash of the Beach was licensed by AEW until WWE re, re uh, news that contract for that license and they lose that event. And so they change it to board break or beach break, whatever. Um, slowly, wheels are turning. AEW, after an interview with Renee Paquette, who no longer works for WWE, makes an interview with Punk. Punk lays it out clear. Money and a good story is enough to have me interested to sign anywhere else. And then Tony Khan and Cody Rhodes, who I truly believe was an involvement input in this, makes the message to happen. Let's give it a go. Let's do a story. And then on August of 2021, it happens in Chicago on AEW's second promo uh, wrestling event, wrestling show, Rampage. The first dance. In a proud of a million people in United Center of Chicago. It was said it had already been cleared. The pinks dry the paint, the inks dry. It's confirmed to happening. But within two weeks later, Darby Allen, one of the many four one of the one of the four pillars of the foundation of AEW in Young Stars, looks dead in the camera saying that I want to show that I'm very you it doesn't matter who you are that I can destroy any of you in the AEW, even if you are the best in the world. And after he says those words, you can clearly hear in the background the amount of screaming from fans to know that this might actually happen. But let's go back to last dance, first dance. That night happens, the stat, and then the static chance of his name, and then a static hears, along with the cult, Living Colors Pulse of Personality, TV screen, the Triton Tron shows TV screens of the sidelines of Chicago. His The wrapped fist with the X written on the crossings. The flag of Chicago with the four star, with the five stars. 
and his name in bright lights. Out he comes, gray beard a little, hair slicked back, in, in knee position, like he just walked out of a black belt judo class. On his knees, wearing a sweater that had Larry's name on the front and a picture of his pet pug Larry on the back. You hear the chants. You see his eyes watery, his face swelling in red. This man has not been in a wrestling ring in more than a decade, but it actually is happening. Punk is back in wrestling, even if it's not WWE. And at that moment, we thought everything was right again. But then things happened within that year. Several of the things in the back started happening. Punk gets the title. Frustrations in the company with people who he associated with who no longer who never liked him. Some people in the Sressio company who liked him and he didn't give respect to. Some people in there who rubbed off in the wrong way when he, as a veteran, because he he is considered that, gives his input and two cents of it. Even to the point that the EVPs the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, who have, no in, who have no experience in business, decide to start a tussle with their own signed wrestler. Their own signed wrestler. How is it that you consider yourselves an environment an EVP for the company and you have a fight with your own signed wrestler? And you know what made this worse? Was right around a year after Punk comes, comes back to wrestling and comes to AEW. The true mind behind AEW. Cody Rhodes leaves the company officially. After feeling that the company, that people in this wrestling, the fans don't like the way of his turning and his outlet and how he wants to do things in wrestling and in AEW is not what people want. Realizing that people want him to be something he doesn't want to be anymore. Realizing that the fans are not happy with his turn of events, of his choices, he decides not to renew his contract. He decides to let it expire. He decides to step down as EVP. And his wife, Brandy, chief branding officer, a woman who truly understands the impact of women's wrestling, who helped even at one point put the groundwork for the women's wrestling division in AEW, decides to leave the company. And it's that moment that I tell people, I tell them, it's not going to look good. The most vital part of AEW leaving the company, you guys made a mistake. Oh, no, it's going to be fine. Cody's going to be fine. We don't need Cody. And it doesn't work that way. Several people are showing their instances on the companies. People are showing why this company is starting to go downhill. It's starting to get the same energy as a Impact once did. And at that moment, even then, the moment it truly blows up in the faces of many of the people was the moment that Punk started airing out his grievances after a match at All Out. He, while eating a vegan cupcake, bloody, beaten, title in hand, next to Tony Khan, he says the words, I'm hurt, I'm tired. I'm angry, and I'm working with fucking children. And you know what? People were upset he said those things at the company, but yet people forget 
The ones who knew him back then knew, forget, Punk has always been brutally honest. And if he has a problem, he will state it. He's not going to hide and say what I what I said wasn't really what I was trying to say. Or I'm just saying it because it's a work. No, Punk will say what's true. And people tend to forget that. The moment he left the company or so-called fired from what people's perspective is, he stated, I, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I'm tired of the company. Um, uh, the, then comes moments that happen backstage after that situation happens. He gets into a fight with the EVPs. He gets a suspension. Tony decides, well, maybe if we make a separate uh, promotional event in AEW, it'll keep him isolated. Make it work for a point where we can work out him having a match against the EVPs. And that's how Collision was made. 2023 Collision was made, was born. Punk clearly shows his frustrations with the company. Even so much as symbolizes it by taking off the top billing uh, cloud of the, of the bill of the microphone that shows the All Elite Wrestling logo. He takes it off throws it off, and speaks with the mic, his truth of the things. Tell me why I'm telling lies. Holding the AEW championship, which he never lost, in his hand, in a bag. Calling it the real championship. More and more situations start happening with the company. And in between that, Cody Rhodes is over at WWE, thriving. Getting more attention than he did in AEW. And then, all in... London happens after a match that Jack Perry does as a heel. Another pillar in the company. A fight ensues between Punk and Perry. And at one point, Tony Khan tries to get involved that apparently Punk was almost at a point of attacking him. And it's after his match, his brilliant match against Samoa Joe, that would be the last time we would see Punk in an AEW ring. Because the week later, through a written statement online, Twitter, and social media, and verbally, visually, in a video, after, on Saturday, in collision, a branding promotional uh, program made specifically for Punk, that event, Tony Khan announces the termination of Philip Brooks. And at that moment, there, Punk is severed between the people who loved him, who hate what he's become, or the people who still support him and just realizes what's done is might be done best for business. Most of the people, the people who I associated with, who knew about much my love for Punk, who also liked Punk, felt that this was necessary because of his actions. Because Punk was being 
childish. Punk was being petty. Punk was being immature. Not realizing, you know, sometimes it's not always punk. Because those same people who say those things, saying it's punk's fault, don't realize because they want to call him a baby. Don't realize that still, even to now, there are moments in AEW that have ruined themselves. Wrestlers are getting injured. Some of the wrestlers are getting frustrated with the company. The women's division has become a farce, with the exception of two or three wrestlers. Britt Baker, who can, what can be considered a pillar for the women's division, has barely been seen on television. Adam Cole has an injury that takes him out for a whole year. Many of the mid-carters barely get noticed. Many of the wrestlers barely get noticed, with the exception of a few of wrestlers in diversity, like Swerve Strickland and Ricky Starks. But what about wrestlers like Keith Lee or Scorpion Sky? Messengers who like them, who truly deserve a little bit more of a push, don't get to see the light of day. All in the midst of things, people were asking, do you think Punk could make it back to WWE? The one negativity that we knew that came from this situation was very open by Seth Rollins, who called Punk a cancer. We don't want you back. Don't come back here. Stay away. And you know what? If it wasn't for his feelings about Punk back in WWE, when Punk was left WWE, ever since Punk made those statements saying, you know, uh, you shouldn't be tweeting, it makes sense why Seth has those justified actions. But if anything, Seth Rollins, you should not, I personally felt Seth should not call him a hypocrite. Why? Because you're a hypocrite yourself, Seth Rollins. You're a man who doesn't like to express himself in the outside wild ways of things, calling yourself once an architect, a visionary. Yet you dress like you were from your wife's workshop. I don't like Beth, that Becky Lynch's wardrobe when she was big time Bex, the villain, because her outfits looked like she went to Lady Gaga's closet. She went in Sia's closet. I didn't like those. It's understandable because sometimes women like to change up their fashion of trailers, but it's still irrelevant. When she was the man, Becky simplified herself, kept everything black, kept everything solid. Because she's like, I don't want you to worry about what I'm dressed like. I want you to worry about me beating somebody's face in. I want you to worry about me stomping somebody's chest in. I want you to worry about me breaking somebody's arm. Whether it's Ronda Rousey at the time or Nia Jax who busted my face open in Survivor Series to bleed my face, making me look so much badass. I'm associated with Stone Cold Steve Austin. That was the Becky Lynch I like, the man. Whereas something as simple as wearing a t-shirt that says, I am the man, was just enough to do her part. Now, slowly, that Becky Lynch is still there. That Becky Lynch is still there. But there are moments still where she will wear an atrocity of a wardrobe with her husband. And she'll say, welcome to the big time. And it's those moments that cringes me. And sometimes... You know that scene from Forgetting Sarah Marshall 
where um, Russell uh, Brand's character is dating Christian Bell's character, and he says, I'm wearing one of your shirts. You hope you don't mind that. And it's a fishnet tank. And he's borrowing some of her makeup. Her, his character's makeup. That is Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins. So if anything, Seth, you shouldn't be calling Phil Brooks a hypocrite. You really shouldn't. But it makes sense still why he said it. Because his frustrations was the fact of a man who he considered cancer behind locker room was to him somebody he didn't want to associate with. But in the world of wrestling, one thing has been sure. If you have a distaste with another wrestler, you take it out in the ring. And the moment you do, you can in sportsmanship, shake each other's hand, and you respect them afterwards. You did it with Cody, you can do it with Punk. So we're looking forward to that. But, as I stated before, after Survivor Series, because I'm going to go back to that, Survivor Series 2023, November, Punk comes out. White t-shirt and jeans and a pair of Adidas. Slaps his fist down on the ground several times. Walking past the two rain cages. Looks at his smartwatch, which he's wearing this time. Because most times, when he's doing his clobbering time screen, chant, uh, fight, fight screen, he's not wearing a watch. But after that, he just says it's. And the crowd chants it's clobbering time. Now, you would think after that, he would go to the ring. But somewhere down the line of the ring, if you look closely from the candid videos, a re a injured but one successfully valid winning Seth Rollins is sitting there with frustration, being held back by Michael Cole and Corey Graves and Cody Rhodes and Sami Zayn while Seth is freaking, fuck you, fuck you. Some people saying it's a work, some people saying it's not. I personally think it's half and half. The real Seth Rollins, the, the, the guy behind Seth Rollins, that that first that version of him, Seth Rollins, uh, at that moment of it, when it came to, uh, when it comes to, the Seth Rollins, the wrestler, the character, is the one who's screaming at Punk, screaming at him, yelling at him, "Fuck you, fuck you," frustrated, raging, about to go after Punk. But Colby Lopez, the man behind Seth Rollins, the character, the, act, the actor playing Seth Rollins, that real version of him is just sitting on the chair of the ring with his belt in hand, tired, frustrated, and now realizing he's working with someone who many people would consider a child. But that professional version of, 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 of him knows he's going to have to deal with this situation because it's the best for business. That's Colby Lopez, the man who is behind Seth Rollins. But Seth Rollins, the character, Seth freaking Rollins, the character, that's the one who's screaming, yelling, at him. Who on Monday Night Raw, the week, same week, comes out in front of thousands when people are chanting Punk's name saying, get it out of your system. We're not going to talk about that hypocrite. So again, 
as I repeat, let me reinstate what I stated before. You of all people, Seth Rollins, should not call Punk a hypocrite. Yes, he came back to a company that made that he basically decided to rant about on podcast in another company to interviewers, to press all over the world. He had stated his frustrations with WWE on his bad taste of it. I get that. But at the end of Punk's promo, that same night, he says one thing in front of the camera, not on the mic. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make money. Because like I said, people forgot. Punk stated back in his interview with Rene Paquette, a paycheck and a good story is all I need to come back. There are some wrestlers who will ask for a lot more money. There are some wrestlers who say, a locker room, I want to get a big card. You know, hell, Punk could have been like his character during his voice of voiceless moments after, before, uh, during, before his, his legendary match in uh, Money in the Bank. I want to be on t-shirts. I want to be on cups, posters, on the chairs, the marquees, the top billing in the video packages. I want a CM Punk movie about my life. That could have been Punk. That could have been Phil. But no, Phil says, just give me a good story. A story that can relevate to people. That makes professional wrestling entertaining. With a little bit of money on the side. And you got me. That was enough for, the, for Tony Khan to pay attention and sign the dotted line. Had it not been for the people that he kept friends with. And that was the reason why Punk said that line in his last promo that night. Now, I'm going to go to that promo. You would think that he would do a promo similar to what he did in AEW, which he first off saying, you know, I feel like Britt Baker in this company. And he says, for anybody out here who bought a ticket, for anybody who's out here tonight in Chicago, understand this. If you had frustrations with me, with my actions and my decisions, I understand but I needed to be me before I came back because at one point I was going to get, I was going to end up dead at that other company with how the things that they did. That was a jab at WWE and we all were laughing about it. But looking back now to come back to that company, we can call punk a hypocrite. Friends like Katie, Katie Fabe, friends like myself, many others who were fans supportive of punk, we can call him a hypocrite for that. Because Punk, Phil, you destroyed this company time after time, whenever it came up. When you went to backstage on WWE, you made it relevant. I remember when Rich Eisen, on the Rich Eisen show, had you on his show. He says, you're back with WWE. And Punk, you corrected him saying, no, 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 no. I'm working for Fox Sports to do this WWE show. You made it very clear about the fact that you didn't want to be known as coming back to the WWE. Even though the package in your first appearance in WWE backstage made it like you came back to the WWE. So yes, like I said, to some extent, we can call you a hypocrite. To some extent, it makes sense Seth Rollins calls you a hypocrite. But Seth isn't the right one to say it. When I say Seth has no right to say you're a hypocrite, I'm saying Seth doesn't have the right to call you a hypocrite. Drew McIntyre could have called you a hypocrite. He was fired from WWE, came back, 
didn't work for anywhere else other than a few indie companies outside of WWE. So yeah, it makes complete sense for him to say that. And it makes sense for Punk to say what he does on that. So, yes. Now, I'm not going to say that Punk's return isn't uh, exciting. I'm not. Because this was something we never all didn't expect to happen in the years that Punk stated. Including that infamous Chris Van Vliet interview that he did out on the red carpet. Where he completely stated 100% he did not come back from that but if it wasn't for the but the junket, the reason why I still think that this is an interesting situation and good thing to happen is because of the fact of what led to this. And this is what I wanted to discuss the most on the podcast. First off, had it not been for that promo junket that WWE Backstage did years ago when Punk became a commentator for, for Backstage, even when he was just working for Fox, those people stating so badly they wanted Punk to come back. And we get that. Those are what the fans, that's what it's for. Those fans who held out, even when he was in WWE, and things weren't going so well for his return to the WWE. And I'm not talking to the WWE stands who hated his AEW run. I am not talking to those people. Those are the people who vilely, viciously hated on Punk working at AEW. Because they don't like AEW. They don't give the wrestling in AEW a chance. I'm one of the few people that has no problem with AEW. I don't like the EVPs running a company. I don't like the wrestlers <coughs> who didn't like Punk during that time in the company. I don't like Tony Khan's business uh, uh, regimen for this company. I truly believe, and if I have to sound cliche here, like Punk, that company would run better in the hands of Cody Rhodes. Not Tony Khan, not the Young Bucks, Nick and Mike Jackson, and not Kenny Omega. That company would go starlight to success to the equivalency of the WWE, if not for if not for Cody Rhodes. But the moment Cody left that company, I knew the doom that company was going to happen. And there are some wrestling junkets and certain uh, wrestling places who have stated for years, uh, who have stated for months since Cody leaving, that AEW was doomed to fail because of that. Because a lot of people don't want to take into the account that AEW's company was run well as a tight ship when Cody was running it. Because Cody knows how to run a business. Cody knows the business. Whether you like his wrestling or not, Cody knows how to run the business. Look at the attributes his father did for WWE. The, uh, the division of, a, of WWE's NXT division, most of the roster who is in the main roster that he personally was responsible for, Dusty Rhodes is responsible for the creation of Roman Reigns. Dusty was responsible for the creations of wrestlers such as the Four Horsewomen, Bailey, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, Mercedes Versano, aka Sasha Banks. Dusty is even responsible for Scott, for Seth freaking Rollins. And they know this. They know this. So when it comes to Cody, Cody's input for that and in that company makes complete sense. But my thought when he came back to the company and when it came to even contributing to NXT, the one thing I stated was is 
I'd be surprised if he has any input with his dad stuff. I have with because if you watch the Cody Rhodes documentary, Cody is very open about the fact that there are some things that his father had helped in in the WWE he felt empty and jealous of. And he has every right to. He does. But this man realizing that a goal that he wanted to have, that he didn't think he was going to, uh, you know, what's the case of it? Now, we wouldn't be where he is. Now, there's one moment that Punk in his speech, I'm going to go in detail with his speech in a little bit. Punk said in his speech, a wise man once said that, that sometimes you got to leave that company and go off and do other things. And then the moment you come back involved in the company, things will go better the way it is. Now, a lot of people want to say, oh, wise man, it's Paul Heyman. No, it's not. Some of y'all made that first assumption wrong. That wise man is Cody Rhodes. And you want to know why? Because Cody did exactly that. He left the company when he realized the potential that he wanted wasn't getting him to a place he wanted to go. Worked in several indie companies, small promotions, small promotions, might I add. The documentary of Cody Rhodes in that documentary, where he went to small companies, Impact Wrestling, Ring of, went back to Ring of Honor, worked his regimen, was part of New Japan, joined the Bullet Club, his alignment with the Young Bucks and Kenny, and led to the development of AEW. That was Cody. And all that to go back to the company for the main focus and goal he had obtained, wanted to obtain from the very beginning when he came to WWE. I want to obtain the title my father was never able to win. As the people know, the story. We hear Cody talk about the story. The story. I have to finish the story. That was the reason why. That is who Punk was talking about. But the moment Punk said, wise man, there's only one wise man in the WWE, and that is Paul freaking Heyman. But what people don't realize, that wise man, what he was talking about, was Cody Rhodes. Cody is the connection. When WWE had that press conference at Survivor Series, that night Punk came back, and the first, and who's interviewed? Who were the two people that talked about Punk's return in that press conference they highlighted in the YouTube channel. You see Triple H's intro, you see Triple H's questions because of his history of Punk, and Cody being the only wrestler who still obtained a relationship with Cody from AEW to WWE. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the connection. Now, I'm not going to lie. Even before Punk came back, Cody has grown to become my top favorite wrestler. He is my favorite wrestler of all time. He is filling the void that Punk filled, that Hogan filled once. Because I don't, I didn't have a wrestler, after Hogan's controversy, I didn't have a favorite wrestler. Hogan was that hole, that hole in my heart that I loved. And I tried to fill it with Punk, but I didn't realize there are many of Punk's actions and decisions, even before AEW, that I said to myself, I can't really support. However, there was somebody else who did. And that was Cody Rhodes, the night, American Nightmare. And the moment that I knew that filled into that, Punk became a second favorite. 
Now, I'm not going to lie. Punk is still a favorite, but he's not the favorite for me. When people ask me who is my favorite wrestler of all time, Cody Rhodes. When people ask who is my favorite of what was my... When people ask who is my favorite wrestler is, Punk, AJ, uh, AJ Lee, uh, uh, Kakar Shida, Britt Baker, Sky Blue even, Malachi Black, Zelina Vega, Rey Mysterio, many others I could name, and include and CM Punk. Who is my who is my who is the favorite of my favorite of my favorite wrestler of all time? One hundred percent Cody Rhodes. So Cody coming back after WrestleMania was a highlight for me. I was excited. I was amped. I was happy. I'm like finally a company the company that didn't really show much appreciation for him, but he never made any hatred towards it. Felt that a rival company of his own and doing his own decision of a leak of it would do so well of it. Cody never made subliminals of it. Never, never did. Just said playful rivalry in the sense of it. And that made complete sense. But when it came to WWE taking him back, it was the absolute right decision. Because the people and the fans at AEW did not respect him for everything he worked hard in. And just to throw it away because of something even as simple as him getting a title that nobody wanted him to have, him doing a promo that nobody really wanted, him doing the Forbidden Door, which people didn't realize he was truly responsible for it, and of course, something as simple as, oh, he needs to be a bad guy. Because people feel the moment you work so hard in a company as a hero, and you go to the top of the mountain, and you don't win more than once, you gotta be a bad guy then. I hate that narrative in wrestling. You see it with all the wrestlers now. Drew McIntyre is dealing with it right now because the fact he never got a chance to win back his title from Roman Reigns more than once with the bloodline, now he's gotta be a villain. Who says he's a villain? You, for all you know, don't realize he's not a villain. He's a guy who's still keeping that narrative. It's just the fact that the fans aren't supportive of him in his decision. Why do you think on to the company that made me who I am first and I'll just work my way there 
That's what's happening with Cody. And now, ever since then, Cody has been a spectacle of perfection in his work, in his career, in his work. Perfection. I have a Cody Rhodes shirt that he put out early in his AEW career, which has his Nightmare, American Nightmare logo. I'm wearing it right now by the time I'm doing this podcast. And it has on the side of it the little AEW logo on it. I wore this to Yomacon in Detroit uh, two, uh, last, two years ago. Uh, the fact that several wrestling fans in Detroit who were at the con said, nice shirt, wrong company. Do you know how many people said that to me? Right shirt, wrong company. Nice shirt, wrong company. Nice shirt, just a terrible company. That speaks so much on that level. That much. I don't hate AEW. I don't like what they did with Cody, but I don't hate AEW. I hate the people who run AEW who didn't give fair respect on his run in the company to do what they could have to pull him to the stardom he is. He has done more for the company than anybody else, honestly, whether you want to believe it or not. You can say, you can be a young buck stand and say it was the Bucks. You can say it was a Kenny Omega. It was Kenny Omega if it was good. Essentially, if you're a Kenny Omega fan, you could say the elite, but it's honest the truth. If you really want to be honest, it was Cody. Cody was always that benefactor of it. And I knew the moment he left the company, it was going to get bad. And I hate that I'm right. However, I will say, when it comes to Cody and his situation with um, AEW, with WWE now, WWE has realized the potential for him to the point where it's where it is. Now, back to Punk. That is the connection for Punk when it comes to that. The only difference. Now, there are a few differences when it comes to Punk coming back to WWE than Cody in WWE. Cody has been respectful in the sense of not bad-mouthing the company that basically made him. Because we can all attest Cody was built at WWE. He just made an opportunity to make a save with it. If Punk had done the same thing, it would be a more grateful return in WWE that would have gave him the respect of it. There are people, including rest, um, some of the people who I respect, who feel that Punk's return after his speech on Raw was a little bit diminutive, including myself. In his speech in WWE on Raw, I was expecting it to be in the same vein as AEW, but it's not. Unfortunately, that's not. And it's all because of the fact of the bad taste in your mouth from his from his negativity towards the other company. But I need to express something. I'm not just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's not on brand for him. And that's what I need all of my friends who are also punk fans who feel betrayed by him in his hypocr in the hypocrisy he's had of his actions that's what y'all need to understand punk doing this move is on brand for him be a rebel as a rebel double contrary the only thing that makes it sour is the fact of the bad taste that he left in character or not 
in other companies that, that are wrestling related that he speaks on. Those things he didn't need to do. Those things only leaves a bad taste in his mouth to come back to the company. Those things are the reasons why I understand some people who state he's a hypocrite. But to put that in your promo on Monday with the statement of saying, I'm home, makes it a little bit off. And that's why with people like Kate Fane and myself and myself and Ollie Davis, um, I needed to kneel from them on that perspective. And I 100% agree with both of them, like myself, feels you kind of sold yourself out in that speech. Now, Katie Fabe, if I'm correct from what I've seen on Fightful, and again, if you follow Katie Fabe, please do. Please follow Kate Fabe. And if you do watch Wrestle Talk, watch it for Ali Davis alone. Both of Kate Fabe states, you basically sound, from saying that as a conformist situation, you basically saying now you're working with the machine when you have been a rebel from the machine for years. And that's completely fine. And that's completely understandable you saying that. But at the same time, I don't, Kate, I don't want to put this on the spot for you. But to be respectful on the sense of it, you have to understand, this is still on brand for him. This is not meant for us. That speech was not meant for us. This is for the people who were not watching him within the three, four years he was in AEW making a name for himself in wrestling again. That's what you have to understand. Those wrestlers who are saying, those wrestling fans who didn't watch a lick of his product in AEW, that's what that speech was for. That's what I had to take. Ali said that this was more of like a sellout. You sold yourself out. And I understand his situation. But you have to understand also the fact that the actions that happened with him in AEW were the reason why it came to this with WWE. And the moment you leave one company and then there's been several offers and the one offer comes from a place you didn't once respect that are basically now offering you what you want in that sense of it, that's fine. That's understandable why you did it. Now, here's the other add-on. And I've stated this many times on, on my TikTok specifically and briefly on Twitter. If you follow me on both of those, please do. If you haven't done so, please do. The I the one uh, there are one there's one factor I there are many factors that benefit of him coming back to WWE, but the one factor that makes this most important of all is relevancy of his wife. Now, if I know Punk, if I know anything about Punk, the one thing I know other than his professional level of wrestling is the love he has for April Jeanette Lee Mendez, aka. AJ Lee. Many of y'all, the moment Punk came back to WWE, stated, well, does that mean AJ comes back? It's the one question I've heard the most from many female wrestling fans. Because whether you want to believe it's Charlotte Flair, Bailey, and those people, uh, Becky Lynch, whether you want to believe it's the, the Garcia twins, formerly the Bella twins, let's make it all spade a spade. AJ was the relevancy in the WWE for the women's division. She was the only woman in her in that company who stood up against an entire elite of women who were more in it 
for the relevancy in reality shows sense of it and branding on that other than just being a woman wrestler. AJ's like, I like nerd stuff. I like geeky stuff. But when I'm a wrestler, I'm a wrestler. Bottom line. And I'm the most untouchable champion when it was the Divas title was irrelevant. The only other wrestler who was in that same level of that sense of it was Saraya, a.k.a. Paige. Now, in that same sense of it, since Punk's departure, as from <coughs> including his marriage with AJ, AJ's relevancy has been wiped clear from the WWE, with the exception of mentioning through her rivalry with Soraya and with Punk. That is it. And we have known since then, AJ has gone on to be a mental health advocate. She has gone on to be a writer. She has gone on to work in the nerd world. She worked in a comic book for Glow, the Netflix show based on the real Glow. She's worked at WOW, Women of Wrestling, which is owned by the same creator of Glow. She has done work for Dungeons and Dragons. Um, the 42, 47 Ronin movie, the sequel to that movie, she wrote herself. She's even run a production company with a uh, another actress uh, who is uh, another actress uh, whose name just escapes me as of right now. Um, I believe her name is uh, Ariel Lee. I, give, give me a second. I, I know her name. Um, uh, her name is uh, Amy Garcia. Thank you. Thank you, Google. She runs a company with Amy Garcia, who is known for playing Ellie in uh, the Lucifer series. She's also worked on the, uh, uh, Amy has also worked uh, with, on the George Lopez series as well. She had a sporting spot on the, uh, the George Lopez series. Uh, since then, she still does acting, but she also does writing and producing with April, with AJ Lee. They run a production company together. They write together, screenwriters together. So with her relevancy as well, April has a lot to going outside of wrestling. And I also stated this online, and again, no disrespect to Queen of the Ring, because she is an amazing person when it comes to analyzing about the women's division in wrestling. But one thing many people forget, winning women and women and male fans forget is, if you have not read H.J. Uh, Lee's book, If you have not read AJ Lee's book, Crazy is My Superpower, I implore you to read it. This book is so relevant. It's so powerful. It's such an inspirational story. I truly believe that she should deserve a movie. If you're going to give Soraya, her greatest rival in WWE, a movie, Fighting With Her Family, I believe AJ deserves one as well. And AJ's book truly tells so much about what she's gone through and overcome mentally, physically, all in the sense of her uh, uh, mental health and her physicality. And with that being said, I truly believe that she, uh, people need to read her book. And once you read the book, you will understand why 
I truly believe it's not relevantly time to have her come back into professional wrestling until we know she's in a better state of health. So, in that sense of it, it's the one thing, uh, one reason why I've told people why I do not want her to come back into wrestling until we know that first. Once we know that she's fine, then we can make it relevant with her comeback in wrestling. Just because she did a little stint on heels with her husband, Punk, as a wrestler herself, does not mean this woman is back primed and ready for wrestling. Let's not forget, too, television show wrestlers don't always do their own stunts just because they have wrestling skills. There are some wrestlers who don't always go to their uh, uh, wrestling uh, when it comes to their wrestling skills, when it comes to uh, that. Hell, Jasmine Allure, who is very talented a wrestler herself, and I've grown to become a fan of, also happens to be, was also was happened, is was actually AJ's stunt double on heels while she played her character in that show during this last season. So, I personally believe that if you read her book, you will understand why I personally feel it's not right for her to come back yet. Now, when 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 uh, when uh, uh, it comes to a point that she says herself, "I'm ready to go back to wrestling," then we can go to the point that she is uh, 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 wrestling. But until then, I want to make sure mentally she's okay, physically she's okay, before I even want to see her back in that wrestling ring. Because there are a few things that needs to be fixed. Her title reign, her relevancy in the WWE, hell, I truly believe before Punk she needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Because what she did for the women's division was a lot more than what Punk did. And I understand a lot of people state that too. So I understand, I know there are people who also believe and agree with me on that. However, when it comes to her uh, relevancy, let's call a spade a spade on that. Um, outside of that, I want to make sure she's in a good mental health first before she becomes AJ Lee. I want AJ Mendez to be okay. Now... Aside from that, um, when it comes to her outside of that situation, if she ends up becoming just an ambassador for mental health through WWE, that's fine. Like Titus O'Neil is a spokesman for WWE without having to be a wrestler. That's completely fine. I'm willing to take that. But don't put her in a ring knowing of her physical state and her mental state until that is taken care of first. Because a lot of people have a lot of love and respect for her. But I hate the fact that I see so many times on TikTok alone, people making these fake promo posters of Royal Rumble this year with AJ Lee in it and her theme song. And there's not even a confirmation that's happening. A lick of it. Hell, the fact that Punk, even in his speech, mentions her by her wrestling name. 
was a surprise enough. And he knows. He knows he can grab the attention from the fans who love her. He knows it. But that speech in general for Punk, I personally felt was not needed. I've stated my reasons on TikTok. You can find them on there. Uh, I know by the time this episode comes up on my podcast, he'll probably have another speech ready similar to that on SmackDown because he is slated to appear on WWE SmackDown this week. Um, and I'm I'm expecting that to happen. So I would not be um, honestly um, expecting that if it doesn't. But if it does, it better come better than the one he did last Monday. It better mean something and it better relevance to a specific wrestler who is the current WWE champion. Because if nothing pushes that narrative in that situation to happen yet, it's all talk. And that's why, like I said, people like Ali Davis and Katie Fabe make perfect logical sense of why their distaste and displeasement for punk is necessary. However, I will say there is one person who has made currently relevancy with their defense of punk not looking good. And that is O'Shea Jackson. Yes, the actor O'Shea Jackson. The son of rap legend Ice Cube, who is a very open wrestling fan, has made several things on Twitter, and you've probably seen them, of his relevancy of the situation that led to Punk's firing in AEW. According to Fightful, there has been a pointly proof of fact that Brian Danielson, a.k.a. Daniel Bryan, was part of the committee of people who actively had decided that it would be best of their business to terminate Punk's contract with AEW. He was the vital part of it. It is confirmed on that. Yet, O'Shea, who is not only a fan of Punk, but is happens to be friends with Punk, states that that, sh- that can't be true. One can't exist the other. Now, Sean Ross, who runs Fightful, owns Fightful itself, has never been known to be wrong. And he has stated himself, that's it's true. It's actual documentation. We were there when we said this. So it's come to the point, and it's the one time, Sean is very open when it comes to people who naysay his work. But it's the first time Sean's like, yeah, I'm not going to get in an argument with an actor who's the son of a rap legend. I'm not going to do that. My only thing is, is I laugh about it because I'm like, Sean, I know you like to be very vocally open when it comes to going at people who like to say, oh, you didn't prove right. You're wrong. You're wrong. And you go after them, debatable. But this one situation, my boy, kind of makes you... Uh, looks relevant and you just just pretend to ignore it and say, I'm not going to get into a fight with that. But also at the same time, this is the son of Ice Cube. And Ice Cube is more than a rapper. He is a survivor from Compton, from the South Central Los Angeles. The man doesn't play. All I got to do is say no Vaseline and all know what it is. So for you to go at his son, but at the same time, I also have to look at it this way. Your father, O'Shea, kind of made a bad situation when he wanted to bring up about localization and money uh, given to poor families in black states that you wanted to address to for the black people. You wanted to address with presidential candidates. And the only presidential candidate who you supported in listening to your to your words that defended you was Donald Trump. You defended Donald Trump when he said he would listen to your decisions and your at your choices. But you didn't say anything when it came to the point that Biden didn't want to say anything to you. 
You didn't even say the fact that Biden denied it. You just said Donald Trump's the only one that said anything. So I gotta hate. I can't hate on Trump. And the only reason why Trump brought it up because it made them look good for their campaign. So, but it made you look like you supported for Trump. So that's what it turned out. It turned out you looking like you supported Donald Trump. No different than when Do Lil Wayne took a picture of Donald Trump, even though he was saying he only he said he only did it so he can get a pardon out of his jail sentence. But it makes everyone else see you look like it, you support him. I don't need to discuss how much of a red flag those both moments are. So, O'Shea, I gotta say, your father didn't look good on that sense. This doesn't look good for you either. So my advice, if O'Shea, you listen to this, my brother, which I support you, I think you're a damn good actor. I think you're actually as talented as a rapper as your dad. Because I think we need an Oh My God album, which is his name when he was a rapper, is OMG. But, um, but in this situation, my brother, as much as I know you're a fan and friend of punk, some things don't need to be said out in the open. And I trust Sean Ross's factual information more than Wrestling Observer. Dave Meltzer pushed buttons on punk because he didn't like him. But at the same time, he was willing to spill anything that dealt with positivity for punk and milk it for what it's worth. Whereas Mel uh, Sean has been very neutral. He's like, look, I'm not saying I'm a fan of punk, but at the same time, I'm not going to hate the man. I'm not going to go after him like that while he's in AEW. Metzler made it really relevant on that, not liking him. And that's why I have no problem that Dave Meltzer blocked me on Twitter. He can fuck off. Most of, and he's made, and him and Daniel and David Garcia have made very bad choices. They have said very terrible things to women. Uh, body of Miss Morphia and women wrestlers. They have been very insulting to many wrestlers with mental health. There has been very much, these are not even allegations, these are actual informational things that has happened with Wrestling Observer compared to Fightful. So I personally believe Fightful is the only source. So if you can, follow Sean Ross and Fightful whenever you can. They're a native of Ohio just like I am. So I believe what Sean Ross says goes. Even if it's stuff that I don't agree with, I respect his information and his sources. Credible with all of them. That man, I will not disagree with anything on that. But at the same time, I will not say I agree with any of the his opinions on certain wrestlers that I like. But at the same time, I will not dis I will not disrespect on his right to give that information out of these wrestlers. He's not doing it in a petty sense like Sean, like uh, uh, Dave Meltzer. So that's what I can say on that sense of it compared to uh, Garcia and uh, Meltzer. Now, back to the whole punk situation. What happened on Monday was not an okay thing. I personally felt it was for the people who were not paying attention to punk's career in AEW to watch that. That's what that was for. But it was not. But if, honestly, if we had a choice of not seeing that and getting straight to the brass tacks of things, I'd rather him be straight to the point. However, I only hope that it's small in that same sense like in SmackDown. I really do. Uh, I will be open about it the moment it comes out. You will know more about it when I do. Um, but for me to say if I'm excited or if I do want, if I will be watching his matches in WWE, I will watch it with an open mind. 
if he can fix his errors that he did in AEW, then maybe we should give him a chance because somebody can change. His speech on Raw when he says, I've changed, it's hard for us to believe that with the actions that happened in AEW. And while some of those actions, uh, it's understandable why, they were unnecessary. If you saw my, my post about his firing, I didn't like him getting fired. I felt that there should have been any other solution. Make him backstage. Make him lose the title. Make him work backstage and work on operations and training. Make him do anything to keep him from off screen for a while until he gets his head clear or when he's repaired or when he's, uh, when he's back in better health. But terminating the man was not my personal feeling of what should have happened. That was an action that didn't need to happen. And Tony Khan saying he was in fear of his life was something that I don't think actually happened. I think it was an exaggeration, but it was a way to make him realize the fact of what happened in that situation probably didn't. So I'm not going to speak on Tony Khan's sense of it. Because like I said, Tony Khan comes from a perspective of a wrestling fan who happens to put money in a wrestling company. That is what he is. Whereas wrestlers like people like Vincent McMahon and Triple H, Paul Levesque, are more grown into the business to know what this business is. Tony Khan's never been in a match. Tony Khan's never done wrestling promo. He's held a mic and made special announcements, but that's about it. Other than press junkets. With the wrestlers themselves. That's about it. Um, in a sense of it. So, But I can only hope and cross my fingers that Punk will fix the mistakes he made in AEW, let alone the ones he had still left things sour in WWE before he left the company. Because if he can fix those two errors, then maybe, maybe the Punk that I like since 2011 is still there. Just a little seasoned. So these are my thoughts about Punk returning to WWE. These are my opinions of it. But I want to know from you, what do you think about Punk's return to WWE? How did you feel about it? Will you be watching any of his future matches? And who do you like to see in the current roster of WWE, aside from Seth Rollins and, of course, Roman Reigns? Who would you like to see Punk grow against in a match? Let me know, uh, if anything. That is it for today's episode of the House of Black podcast. I hope you guys at least got to hear my opinion and my situation on that. Hopefully, you guys will know more soon from me. Um, if you guys want me to keep making more wrestling content videos on that sense of it, check out my my TikTok page, which is TikTok uh, uh, Donnie Black. Uh, also, check out my Twitter, Donnie Black as well. Um, but if you want to check out my photography as well, go to all my social media, titled Jirai Media, on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, and of course, JiraiMedia.com for all your photography needs. Hopefully, I will be back soon with another episode. This has been a... a uh, this has been the House of Black podcast, and as your host, Donnie Black, I say to you, good night and later days.